Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there. We are so excited today to bring you a very special Hollywood Life podcast. We are here with a woman who I am in awe of. She has just done so many incredible things. And right now, we are going to talk about a lot, but we are going to talk about this very special project. She is the director and one of the producers of a fabulous new film, Freak Show, which I just love. And she's also the co-founder of the Rainforest Fund, and we're going to tell you all about that. And uh, she just also happens to be married to Sting. You've heard of him. And she's a mom. She's a mom of four. And you've got grandchildren, too, which I can't believe. Mom of four and six grandchildren. <laughs> hey, and there's all our, our fans. She's got six grandchildren, too. And I can't believe it because there's just no way. I'm looking at her across from me. She's beautiful. And she does not look like she could have six grandchildren. But welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in, Trudy. And, you know... The Freak Show is a really, it's uh, it's a really, really beautiful film, and it's a really interesting film, and it's a really topical film. And it's about a young man, he's a high school student, Billy, who grows up by, in a, I think we said Darien, Connecticut, so right. kind of a more cosmopolitan place with a loving mother who he's very close to, but his parents are divorced, and he gets sent away to live with his dad, and it's down south. Is it in Florida? Is that where they're supposed to be? You know, the book is set that um, that he lives in Florida. This is a screen adaptation of the book Freak Show by James St. James. And we moved the location to a, a, an anonymous red state. We don't say where it is, although the, the topography would suggest that it's probably the Virginia or the Carolinas or somewhere like that. But I thought it was important that we did not... Um, accuse one state and or exonerate another so we deliberately don't say where we are except that we do say the red states right and it's a huge it's a huge change for him because he's gay he's he's flamboyant he loves fashion he's outgoing and he has to go to a new school and it's a very conservative school and these uh the other high schoolers are not very very welcoming at first and it's really a film about bullying and dealing with being bullied and apparently that is a subject that is close to to your heart and certainly a very timely topic that's right. It is a it is a subject close to my heart. I think that the the crux of the story is that it's about it's an anti-bully anti-bullying movie for sure, but it's also about the indomitable spirit of someone who says, "No, you may not be abusive to me. No, you 
You, you can disagree with who I am, but I do not accept your behavior. And this is what I think would be better for this school. And he calls on the school to create a new tradition of inclusivity, of, of, of tolerance and compassion. And, and it's really his sort of like his meteoric rise within the school after he's um, bullied and beaten that he's going to... Like, literally, he gets physically beat up. That's, yes. that's the same charter as Trump University, I think, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's sound, sounding a bit familiar. <laughs> I thought I saw that in a lawsuit. I don't know. Well, you see, this is what I thought was really interesting, was very interesting about it, because he's in such difficult circumstances, but he's not a victim, and he has a very... He's got a lot of self-esteem, and he decides right on, like right away that he's going to fight back against being bullied. He's not going to allow himself to be a victim. And because I think a lot of, um, you know, the films, the TV shows that are, have been done about bullying, the the main characters are, are victims. And I thought mm -hmm. this was wonderful that he wasn't and that he does deliver, you know, such an empowering message. And his way of fighting back isn't that he literally fights back because he couldn't anyway he's he's very slight of build and that's not what he stands up for so he he sets out uh his bid to become homecoming queen much <laughs> to the annoyance and outrage of the entire school including the headmaster and especially including uh the the awful mean girl yeah um, she is really Lin mean Lynette masterfully played by the amazing Abigail Breslin. Yeah, she's I, quite a mean girl. Don't you think in this new climate that we're in, like probably in, in high schools in America now, there's like the homecoming queen is not going to be a specific gender, right? Like, I don't know if these girls have a chance against like the new wave of like out gay young people, right? And I, I think you're right. I think absolutely there's a, there's an evolution and a revolution taking place for gender equality and uh, we're all standing up for, uh, for, for two abusers and against abusiveness in the, in the workplace and in the school place. So I think that it, it will redress itself. I think the needle is moving, albeit slowly, and we do have uh, some carnage behind us vis-a-vis -vis what you're just saying because I think one of the reasons I was inspired to direct Freak Show was on reading of the um, when I started the project, the, the untimely death of a transgender uh, student called Blake Brockington. And Blake was transing from girl to boy and uh, in the state of Arkansas. And uh, there was, do you remember the story? It's absolutely Tell us more. Tragic. Tell us more. Well, so Blake was a 17 year old, like our high schooler, Billy. And Blake um, had had made the transition, had become uh, a boy. And the school were very supportive. His so, parents so were very supportive. Blake had been a girl and he yes. transitioned to be a boy. Yeah. So Blake then ran for homecoming king and and became homecoming king. King and CNN went down on the day that um, this was all happening and interviewed Blake. And if you go online, you'll see the the interview was the happiest day of Blake's life. He'd got the support of his school, his peers, um, his mom and dad, and it could, life couldn't have, couldn't be better. Cut to one year later, Blake kills himself because of the cyberbullying. Right. Well, you know, because I think we're we're. 
we're in this time when there are so many steps forward, like what happened that his parents were very accepting, clearly a lot. A lot of his classmates were accepting. But on the other hand, bullying can be magnified like a thousand times because of social media. It's so easy to bully. And on one hand, we were having legal protections for transgenders, and now we have a president mm-hmm. who is the bully-in-chief and cyber bully-in-chief, really. And he's also removed tra- uh, protections for transgenders. So you have forward and backward happening all at once. In an interview for Metro magazine, I called President Trump the ultimate troll. And I, I would agree. And uh, and I sort of flinched as I said it, because actually I'm describing the president of the United States of America as a troll. But, you know, we're seeing each day there is a new low in this country with his maladroit tweetings to his downright bullying tactics, to the unfairness, to the venom that he spits out at that. African countries, it's a continent, you moron. Uh, Haiti, the country that has suffered and is rising up, you know, because we all believe those of us that have hearts and compassion and the belief systems in this, you know, nation that has suffered so many times with uh, storms and earthquakes and hurricanes that even so, notwithstanding all of that, Haiti has got as Anderson Cooper said so emotionally last night, this is a nation of like really smart people and people who have suffered and absolutely deserve our compassion and our support. And he talked about the dignity of the Haitian people because he spent a lot of time there covering the terrible earthquakes. It was very ironic that President Trump made these um, made these horrible comments and called it, I'll just say it, a shithole. Um almost eight years to the day, because it's eight years to the day today as we're speaking of when they had that terrible earthquake. It's eight years to the to, to the day. It's it, it's Martin Luther King Day. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> On Monday. Yes. Do you, do, you guys worry, <laughs> do you guys worry at all, though? I mean, you just described uh, President Trump as a troll. And, um, and I think that's true. But don't you think part of his brand and part of his success success is really in the social media age where everything is about capturing attention, where attention is really the commodity that we're all selling with our podcasts and our Instagrams and our websites and everything like that. Like what Facebook is commodifying is attention. And Trump has figured out how to capture attention in every news cycle. And I worry that we spend so much time being reactionary to him that he it's sort of a win-win like he says something offensive it gets out and it sort of obscures the last outrage and it just becomes outrage after outrage and we're never talking about policy we're talking about what has offended us i think this came up last night in anderson cooper's show your to your comment that um all of this you know the shithole countries Africa and Haiti that are detracting from actually the issue that is on the table currently of the dreamers. That seems to have like been like, where now are those all important discussions and debates? And let's get, let's get forward with getting this resolved. No, it's gone off the table because, because of this. Yeah. The New York, New York Times reported right. today they were actually close to a deal. And yeah, now this exactly. whole this I whole know. scandal Gino, has side side it's sidetracked the whole but thing. But Gino, no, this didn't sidetrack it. He sidetracked it. The senators were there in his office 
to bring them the bipartisan deal that they had worked out to to establish a legal be like um to keep the dreamers here and they were also trying to convince um, Donald Trump to allow the Haitians and the El, the people from El Salvador and Honduras and some of the African countries who had status because they were either refugees like they'd fled from from um, from violence and from natural disasters so they were trying to get him to agree to keep them it was part of the deal so they were trying to do policy and you know these policies affect people's lives and just like with freak show like you know, protections for transgenders. They protect people's lives. Um, protections are speaking out against bullying. If you were speaking out from a bully pulpit like the president's, would protect people's lives, and instead he's doing the opposite. Yes, I t totally agree. He's doing the opposite. But I think that when he throws in, you know, that kind of like venom, which is really guaranteed to take up the hour last night of Anderson Cooper's show with, you know, the, the high emotions that that the the dreamers didn't actually make it to the to the to the programming. It was, you know. What, right. a, what a moral outrage. Yeah, and my concern is, like, this is the entire, like, Steve Bannon strategy. He thinks, like, well, Trump is outrageous, and that makes liberals crazy, and that pushes them further to the left, and that's how I win. That's what he told the New York Times anyway. So I, I just, I worry about the effectiveness of trolling and how hard it is for us to get out of the cycle of, like, being trolled by Trump. And, you know, CNN and MSNBC have turned into the 24-hour Trump networks. You know, people complained about all the free coverage he got in his campaign, and that's part of how he won. Because they see when they stop talking about him or when they cover something else, their ratings go down. It's just it's concerning to me. Do you, do you feel the Republican Party, as we saw on the show on Cooper's show last night, do you think that those those members are actually afraid of him? Yeah, I do. I don't think they have any backbone to stand up to him, and they're afraid of his base. Even yeah. though it's not, even though his base, I I just don't believe it's that big. Big. I think far more Americans have great values and don't believe in these things, but they're afraid of that group. Well, he's afraid. I think that they're afraid of the the bigger group that follow him, the forty seven million that do follow him. Yeah, he has um, a solid thirty six percent base that seems to be unwavering no matter what he says or does, and it's really totally unconnected to any policy or well, well and that's terrifying because if you have you know millions and millions of people coming at you with something that you said that like, against president trump that uh, and in his constituency then you're afraid that you go you know you might be bullied at home that your kids might face it you know I, as a parent, would, would be really flinching if I thought I'm going to say something that would expose my kids and my grandkids, and I don't, you know, if, if they don't have the resources to protect their homes. I mean, this is really scary, threatening stuff that he well, deals out on it, a daily basis. Yes, it really is. And he also, aside from his bullying on Twitter and bullying of individuals, um, you know, he is repeatedly trying to destroy the rule of law and the American system of the separation of the three branches, executive and judicial and congressional. And so that he's just like kind of tearing down all the threads of our democracy. And of course, he's talking about fake news all the time. The main media news outlets, the mainstream media become, he has labeled as fake news so that people don't even know what to believe if you're a certain person. Um, you also are very like he's he's really gotten into a lot of the issues that you've dealt with because you've been very committed to environmental issues. Yeah. 
and you've worked for many years to to try and save the rainforest. You have the rainforest fund. You worked in the Amazon for many years. Mm -hmm. So it's like a lot of things that are near and dear to you. He's gone after. He doesn't believe in climate change. Mm -hmm. He's a climate change denier. Do you you believe in climate change? (laughs) It's it's upon us. (laughs) I I don't know what you'd have to be. You wouldn't have to go outdoors if you sort of like thought, thought it isn't happening. Of course it's upon us. It's a it's a terrifying time. And those of us who have got, you know, kids and grandkids, you sort of like wonder what is the future lying ahead for them? No, you know, no polar bears uh, in the future. No, no, no African elephants. No so, Manhattan. Like, that's yeah, what I'm really concerned right. about. I mean, this, this <laughs> is the issue of, that I'm the most concerned about. I can see why Trump doesn't care. He's 70. He won't. I know, but he's he got under- Mar-a-Lago is going to be underwater. Okay, but not in, not, <laughs> not, not, be the first not anytime to soon, though, right? And he's an, he's an extremely selfish person. So why would he care what happens in 20 years or 30 years, right? But like, I'll be here. Like, my generation is going to be here. And we're going to be paying for yeah. all of the crap that we pumped into the air and all the forests we've cut down. And like people describe the rainforest as like the lungs of the world. And it would, if it's cut down, it's something that could contribute to a spiraling out of control of temperatures and global warming more than anything else, right? Well, it literally creates oxygen for us to breathe. Yeah, I mean, I've been working um, in on rainforest matters and indigenous uh, matters since the 80s. And, you know. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you see the Amazon rainforest and you go amongst its people, you, you know, I think there's an idealized view of, oh, it must be so beautiful just to see the rainforest and people think of cascading waterfalls and, you know, indigenous people living in sort of like happiness with, you know, pristine waters and uh, that, you know, they're raising their kids on fruits of the rainforest. That, that is not the way it is. No. It's actually a very powerful organism and you feel its power and, and its might and it is sometimes incredibly inhospitable environment and you just think that when you put that as a as a threat to it it's far bigger than us and uh, I, I, Teddy Roosevelt's uh, book and there's a wonderful um, documentary on his journey through the Amazon through the river of doubt that became Rio Roosevelt. And of course, that's our that's one of our former presidents. And he was president, uh, just retired president when he embarked on that big uh, exploration of, of, of the Amazon and talks about the might and the wonder and the terrifyingly huge organism that is an important organism because it is servicing mankind and this planet. And, you know, we'll go first. The planet will still be here, but there'll be a tipping point where we can't sustain life anymore. Now, my understanding now, of this issue, though, Trudy, is that it's not like big global corporations coming down and destroying the rainforest. It's actually just like the local inhabitants are impoverished and have to cut it down to do subsistence living and subsistence farming. And it's just people encroaching into the forest. 
Well, having been going to rainforest areas for 35 years, I would say that that might be the party line that they want you to buy into, that it's a bunch of small farmers, but it's a hell of a lot of huge damage done by our extractive industries. Some are extremely notable, Exxon, as are Chevron, who I've had personal dealings with when I go to the Ecuadorian rainforest. And I've seen at first hand the devastation of the lands and the water of the indigenous people's homes that, that what are they, they doing in there are they they're drilling for oil like what are they doing well, they drilled for oil in the 60s but what they said that they'd done which is in contention in this class a lawsuit that has raged now for 24 years um, that they've said that they spent 40 million dollars they gave to the ecuadorian government 40 million dollars for a cleanup and that i have visited many homes there of the indigenous um leaders and they say come and see this and they point to enormous they're called piscinas because they're the size of swimming pools piscina is a swimming pool in spanish and they're filled with toxic residues of oil that has that hasn't been made made haven't been repaired since the late 60s right and 40 million dollars is not a lot of money to is do it? that kind of cleanup now no. tell us like when you has the because you um you were, uh, you and Sting, um, some of the first people to really publicize um, how the rainforest was just under assault. And as you said, like going back 30 years, like how has, have you seen any improvements? Have there been change? Have you been able to slow down what's going there, on there? You've, you've raised money to buy a lot of land. So you've got protected no we, no we don't have a mandate to buy land because we work side by side with the indigenous saying you know we will support you if you will support your environment and that's how we've taken the government to court in many cases in brazil and have won on because their their tribal presence for millennia denotes that that this is their land it is not government land it is it is which whichever tribe it is so we worked a lot with the Kayapo people and um and helped restore through lobbying government this this t takes years to do this is not like not done overnight you have to be incredibly patient and tenacious and we have a um a a, a chairwoman on uh, who who leads us and she's uh she she's at the un she's like a lawyer and she and our small board work really hard in like we take governments to court when we see that this is indigenous land that these corporations are on. Trudy, speaking of politics, something that's been in the news big time lately is all the scuttlebutt about Oprah running for president. Now, you actually know Oprah. You and Sting were on her show. I remember watching the segment with my mother and, and loving it. Um, <laughs> think you could, didn't you guys talk about the whole Tantra thing in this interview? <laughs> it was no. <laughs> maybe that's a false memory. Did I really? <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I thought you did. I thought Oprah asked oh, you I've about it. I've grown up so much since All then. your meditation and uh, whatever. Um, but yes, tell us. You, do you think she's going to run for yes. president? And will she be a great president? Well, I was out of the country when the Globes um, was happening, so you can tell me better. I, I've I've seen I've seen her speech, um, uh, and I, I I'm not sure in what context of the show that came that she was given a lifetime achievement. Yeah, the Cecil right. B. DeMille yeah. Lifetime yeah. Achievement Award. You know, she has such a nationwide following, um, and 
the huge following of women and girls. And so, you know, this is the, 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 the very group that I think that she is thinking of and creating more diversity as well. You know, she's, she's extremely on side with, with um, gender equality. Um, I mean, she's such a titan and fearless woman, and she calls it as it is. She's not somebody to pander to somebody's like asides. Um, uh, when she, when she's interviewing, she really she tunes in, and if she sort of feels that her interviewee is sort of you know backing off a question, she'll like like a laser. She'll she'll get there. And I think it's just so wonderful to sort of feel that there's somebody who has that like depth of honesty. God knows she's you know she's somebody who has got where she is through her own courage and her own sticking to what she believes in fairness and justice and that she will say no to abuse no to her detractors she will like a great lioness that she is she'll you know snarl and she'll get things her way which is the true way and the just way should she run for president it's entirely up for her i mean that's a uh, will will she have the support of of the nation? It will be it it will be hard. But is she the woman to to see it through? If she if she really wanted to do this, I'd say that she'd got a really big chance. Yeah. Sounds like an endorsement. <laughs> I love Oprah. Yeah. So you feel that she she's got she's got the tenacity because I think you know getting to be president. Is, I think is just as hard as being president because you have to have incredible tenacity to get through the process of the primaries, like the actual process primaries. And then she would be running against Donald Trump, who, as we you, you said it yourself, like he is a troll. He will troll her. The, the you know, God knows what horrible nickname he'll come up for her. Do you feel she could handle that? Well, I think because she has such a humongous media presence, she's probably like one of the few people in this country that could give him a run for his money. That's true. She probably could have even 47 million followers on Twitter. <laughs> but stick on celebrities for just a minute. I feel like this is a good segue to um, a couple amazing projects that you've done that I really want to ask you about. You were in, true or false, Zoolander 2. <laughs> Our favorite celebrity, Justin Bieber, was also in Zoolander 2. We make a video about him every day. We call it our daily Bieber. Did you get to meet the Biebs? <laughs> But this idea that you think that I'm in it, I was on the in the fashion show on the front row and it was an all night shoot. And uh, no, the Beebs wasn't with me. He was oh. when my husband shot and I wasn't anywhere near the set on those days, sadly. Oh, so did so did your husband Sting meet the Beebs? He worked with him. He was he did a scene with him. In the oh, movie. so, well, you know. I'm not up on my Zoolander too. Funny. I did Where see it. <laughs> the other... Oh, did did he give you any feedback? <laughs> <laughs> the other thing um, that we we have to talk about for our listeners, you were in an episode of Friends, such an iconic show. Like, there's so much '90s nostalgia right now. You were the person who had Monica's boots on. Can you just <laughs> take us back to that moment? <laughs> Um, the moment was uh, a Phoebe um, was um, is a was is a police fan, right? And um, so she sort of like inveigles her way into Sting's and Mrs. Sting's <laughs> <Of> house <laughs> but, uh, under the pretense that her nephew and our son should have this play date, and um, 
in the, in the way the script was written. So it's in, a, in our New York apartment and um, that I'm sort of like a little bit cagey because within 10 seconds she's talking about the, about Sting. And, <laughs> uh, and then it, it's, I think the punchline is um, uh, I, I, I sort of like I rumble that she's like she's a fan. And I say, you know what, I'm going to give you 10 minutes to get out of here before I call the police. And she goes... A reunion? When? <laughs> that was the punchline. Why oh, the police, right? Yeah, I get it. <laughs> now, you know, now since you brought up your husband, um, Sting, um, you know, you guys, like, you're like, you have one of the things that's so rare in the celebrity world, a very long and, I hear, happy marriage. So what's the secret? How do you keep a marriage going and and not just like it's it's not like an ordinary because you're in a fishbowl at times. Um, well, we can get out of the fishbowl whenever we want when we go home. You know, we don't have you know, the press inside the house or whatever. Um, and I think, or Phoebe, <laughs> or Phoebe. <laughs> Love that actress. Um, I think that. I think one of the, I mean, there's no secret. There's, who knows? I mean, you could all fall apart tomorrow. You know, we don't know what life holds us. So I, uh, that I, I'm, I like to live very um, in the present of what we have today um, and not have to th- really think too much about what might be down the road. So, um, so that said, we're both incredibly busy people that said we're also incredibly still uh, devoted to each other and attracted to each other and we have this sort of large family six six kids in all stinger has two kids from his first marriage and six grandkids in all we've just all been on a big christmas holiday together which was like amazing and it's just so funny um and and when I say the word funny too, I think that we have the ability to laugh at each other and with each other just um, just all day long. We just like really, we have we have a very fun time, and keeping you know me, I have my own projects. Uh, he's going on the road again uh, soon, so you know that sort of keeps things. Did I catch that you don't call him Sting in the house? When did, when did you catch that? I thought you I thought you said you had another name for him in there somewhere. Where did you get that from? I, I thought I, I thought I heard you say. I think he has no, another name. No, you're thinking of your your cuttings that you have like on your computer right now. Yeah. Well, I call him Pookie in the house to save you looking up on your Google. Oh, what I call him. Pookie. Okay. I was, maybe Gordon. I thought maybe. No, I, I, it just came out of my mouth one day. We were actually in the street, and uh, he was walking ahead of me. And, which he always does because he he walks like half an hour in front of me when we're on a walk together. <laughs> oh, I do that too. Women hate it. They, uh, That's one of the secrets yeah. I get so of, many, our, I get of so a happy complaints. marriage. It's the long secret of the love secret oh. of our longevity. He walks half an hour in front of me. I, well, that's where you get your alone time and you're still together, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. So he was making a left and it wasn't meant to be a left. And I thought, I'm not shouting at the top of my lungs. Sting, you're wrong. Turning, <laughs> you know. So um, out of my mouth came this word pookie. And he strangely <laughs> looked around and it just stuck. Oh, that's really it's cute. It's like trying to call a cat. <laughs> Sting's real name is Gordon Matthew Thomas Sumner. Yeah. For people don't know. No, I've never heard that. It's just, but, you know, but now, now if we run into you, we'll, we know. We can just, <laughs> hi, Pookie. <laughs> well, listen, 
thank you so much for coming in. It's just been a pleasure to talk to you. And we love Freak Show and all of you. Uh, the movie, you've got to go to the Facebook page for Freak Show so you can see where to see it because um, we highly recommend. And if you're in New York, go to IFC tonight. It opens to, to this is opening weekend and lots of video on demand platforms. Yes. Okay, Freak Show and Trudy Styler. Thank you again. Bonnie, it's such a pleasure. Pleasure. Come back anytime. Thank you.